Yeah, I don't know about you guys. I got kind of. I mean, I get. I understand why it's happened so much, but I just. I'm. I'm tired of listening to it. I. I, I miss hearing really nice audio recordings. <laughs> All right, let's get started. This is GearBuds Podcast, episode 109. I'm Henry. We've got Dave on the phone. What's up? Hi, Dave. And we also have a guest joining us from a number of time zones away. In fact, another continent away. We have Soren Youngberg from Carl Martin. Hi, Soren. Thanks hey, for Soren, joining thanks. us. Hey, Soren. Thanks. Hi, guys. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's it's our pleasure. And uh, Soren is the CEO of Carl Martin, which is, I mean, I'm sure if you're listening to this, you know already, but just an incredible uh, historic pedal company, but also has other things that they do, which I wasn't super aware of, like amps and uh, power supplies and all that kind of stuff. So I can't wait to, to dig in and learn about Soren and all this, the cool stuff that Carl Martin's doing. Before we do that every week, we've got a couple segments that we like to get into. So let's just get into them. This is, this is a symphony of corrections. Here we go. Here's your weekly reminder that cables are tone tubes. Thank you. You're listening to this. Thank you for doing that. Uh, it means everything to me and Dave. So mm-hmm. thank you for that. Uh, Go, go ahead and, if you're not already, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at GearBuds Podcast. Subscribe, Spotify, Apple, all that sort of stuff. Dave, I've got to say, I've got an actual correction for the Symphony wow. of Corrections this week, which is, you know, a, a big thing around here. But uh, last week we were talking a little bit about, <laughs> believe it or not, neuroscience and uh, the sort of like idea of what actually creativity is from a neurological perspective. Ah, Anyways, interesting. I was talking about the, uh, the research of a woman named Heather Berlin. I couldn't remember her last name i think i called her blackstone or something okay like that. but her name is heather berlin if you ever want to check her out dr heather berlin uh a couple episodes of, she's been on star talk neil degrasse tyson's podcast a cool. bunch does a bunch of her own work Very cool. go check her out really cool really cool stuff let's do a little uh i mean this is just like the sort of catch-all touch and tips friends of the show bfi gfi whatever it's all the sub sub segments here uh i've actually got some free stuff this week too uh this if you're listening to this this week uh, native instruments is giving out a couple uh plugins including hybrid keys which is rad and then also they partnered with isotope to give out this like version of ozone if you don't have it already I'll put the link on the website. Uh, it's it's well worth downloading. Yeah. They're good. They're good plugins to have for free, especially. Uh, that's cool. BFI, GFI. You know what? This is. I guess this could go either way. So a lot of people have been bellyaching on the internet. Apple announced this week that they're going. Uh, they're f- finally allowing for lossless audio on Apple Music, which okay. you know most most streaming services haven't offered yet for a number of reasons mostly bandwidth related i mean it just it takes a lot of data to stream completely uncompressed high quality audio like that but uh so it's cool that they're announced they've announced that but then of course the internet was very upset because it turns out apple's headphones uh they're like airpods or whatever they're called don't actually support lossless music so everyone's like oh my god why are they putting out lossless music but you can't listen to what the headphones yeah okay yeah but it's like first of all that if you're if you're an audiophile you're not using apple's earbuds to listen to your audiophile experience (laughs) anyway so like that's just like a bizarre argument to me but also the other the, the main limitation has nothing to do with apple themselves it's because and we've talked about this a lot on the show and it's the reason that i don't invest in high quality bluetooth headphones the bluetooth standard as a as a standard yeah. is does not allow for 24 192 uncompressed audio right. it's just that's just not uh, available so it's not it's not it's like it's not like apple's headphones it's no the technology is just not there we'll yet. do right. 24 192 right. so um i don't know I, i'm personally was excited when they announced it because then that means people like spotify and whoever else amazon google play that they're all going to have to step up their game and offer higher quality audio so it's like i just i don't know i feel to see how this is a big problem mm-hmm. yeah so okay that's my that's my little soapbox about apple music and lossless audio uh last thing i want to mention here in bfi gfi this is just like well, this is also some free stuff, but anyways, I, I I made a mistake recently. I decided to I was just like, I'm gonna I'm gonna dig into some threads on on the gear page, which again, never necessarily the best idea, but I was uh, sometimes you get curious and I was I, I, I've wound up on this thread about uh, this product called the Siva SIVA. Okay. It's this guy uh, from Smoothhound Innovations made his own, fully programmed and modeled multi-effects unit and it's like 
intense the level of detail that this guy he's like physically modeled through computer code all these different pedals and of course like many companies have done this yeah this is not like a new thing but this is one guy who did it and like i was super impressed the the video demo that he made of it wasn't the most impressive thing in the world you can tell the dude is a much better uh thinker and computer programmer than guitar player though so it's like it wasn't i wasn't that upset by it but the reason i'm bringing this up and throwing it in bfi is because the people in this comment thread were some of just like the nastiest, meanest people uh, I've ever seen. Just like tearing this guy down where he's like, hey, here's me announcing this thing that I've been working on for a long yeah. time. And I just like want to get a little feedback. And it was people just being like, this sucks. It's not the fractal. It's not line See, six. And that makes like, me so sad. No shit. Yeah. It's not those because those are big companies. And this is one guy well, who figured out how to program. And he built it for himself. Itself. It's not like he's trying to like manufacture. No, no, no. These, he, right? he is going to, he is going to manufacture oh, okay. it. it. It is a product that is going to come to market. But regardless, like if you saw this, you'd be like, holy shit, that is one person who like, coded all this made this project like made the box the whole thing you know and it's and it's got like a beautiful display yeah. sc- like color screen like cool. you know it's not it's not like uh, it's not nothing so just again i guess i'm, I'm bringing it up because these are our people i, man. I, I need to learn my lesson yeah these are our people but it's also like i just i like internet comments are so bad i know it's just, I, I can't i can't do the forum stuff as much anymore i don't know why they've gotten so horrible well, and poisonous where people are just like want to tear everyone down for no reason and I, I, it was it really bummed me i out. guarantee you none of the people who have torn this guy down are successful in any matter of even touching what this guy has designed or created so you know yeah. these these people are not winners you know these are not successful people that that go online and talk shit like that so Totally. Yeah, I, I and agree. so I guess with our with our platform here, if you're interested in it, Smoothhound Innovations, you can go decide for yourself whether or not you think it's something that you'd be interested. But just just you know, make make decisions for yourself. Don't just join the chorus of internet Screw buttholes, that, man. Uh, doing 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 negative. I think stuff. We'll, we should reach out to this guy and get him on our show. Let's have him talk about All right, it. Yeah, awesome. I would. I, that's a that's a great idea. I, we will definitely do that. The other reason I bring it up also is because this has led me to. There are a lot of people. Not a lot. There are a number of people doing sort of like guitar coding things on the internet for free right now, where you can download like plugin amps and stuff like that. So I, I found a few that are pretty decent. I'm going to throw them on the on the website too under free stuff because you know I want to support people doing creative uh, creative gear stuff. Cool. Very on the cool. Internet. Yeah. So I'll throw those up there. Uh, I feel like we really, we really burned through those really fast, but that's okay because you know what, Dave, that means that I now, I get to say my two favorite words that I get to say every two weeks, Dave, do you know what the, do you know what those two words are? Dave's Docs. I think you do. Whoa, you beat me. Dave's Docs. Get that tambo going. <laughs> it was on the other side of the room. I had to go grab it. I actually was what did you, uh, trying to use it the other day you, for something. What did uh, you watch for us? Oh, so um, this was kind of a fun one. You know, we had a short week. We uh, were recording we earlier did have a in the short week, week this week, yeah. so I had to find something quick. But luckily, Amazon came through for me. And uh, this week, I watched a Beach Boys documentary. Um, I don't know. You know, people, uh, they have, you know, mixed feelings about the Beach Boys, but uh, I wanted to give them a chance. I don't really I don't really know their story. I know that like Pet Sounds is one of the most innovative recorded records of all time. A lot of people mm. say that, you know. Oh, um, yes. So it's called Beach Boys. The uh, an American band, and it's from 1985, which is kind of fun because I watch a lot of newer documentaries, and sure. uh, in the last you know ten years or so, this was from 1985. So you know it really touched on when the Beach Boys were kind of having their kind of like their resurrection in a way, you know, because right. they got when, big with, when John Stamos. Well, was that in the was band. the yeah, that was the whole thing. It was like right before the Full House thing, you know, and all that. So I was pretty excited about um, just kind of seeing it from a, an earlier perspective. And I like old documentaries once in a while because they just they're they're so different than what they create now, where everything's explained to you. Older ones, they kind of they kind of coast over the story. They don't put a lot of like. Um, people's names at the bottom of the, you know, like the title, like, Oh, you know, yeah, so you'll sure. be like, I have no idea who this guy talking to me is right now. Like they don't keep, I'm thinking of uh, heartworn highways, right exactly now. like heartworn highways, which is a fantastic documentary. If anyone's into like outlaw country and that, in that whole scene from the seventies. But, um, this was really interesting, man. It was a, a cool movie. Um, if you know, for people who probably already know or don't know, it was three brothers, uh, Brian Wilson, uh, Dennis Wilson and Carl Wilson. And then Mike Love was their cousin. And then this guy named Al Jardine was like their best friend. So like they were a really, really tight knit group um, as far as... You know how we love family bands around here. Love family bands. Shout out to any band that's uh, made up of family members. And I mean, you know, I it probably goes without saying their big thing was their harmonies in music. Their live harmonies mm-hmm. are absolutely outstanding. Um, the documentary has a lot of really good 
um, footage of them performing. And you know how like in the in the 60s and 70s, they would do those performances where it's it's more like a music video. They're kind of just playing over the sound. And yeah, they well because yeah they really couldn't get a good live recording exactly, at that and point. it was a lot easier. They're not even like plugged it. in and all that. Well, this actually opens up with them performing live, like plugged in, singing into microphones. You can hear the echo of the room, like it's definitely live. Cool. And uh, they're doing these harmonies that are just blowing me out, like just completely mm-hmm. blowing my mind. Um, so that was really cool. There's some great gear spotting. Uh, you know, Brian Wilson played like an early '60s P bass, white with a white pick guard, which was very rare for that time because usually a white would have a tortoiseshell pick guard. Um, so that oh, was kind man. of a cool thing to see. Uh, there's a nice white uh, Jaguar with a matching headstock, and then there was a cool uh, Rick. I think it was a 360 uh, Sunburst Rick that uh, one of the guys was playing in that. So I thought that was really cool. Uh, some fun things about the film. You know, there's a lot to the story, and I won't get like too much into it. It's a pretty long doc, but I will say this. Um, it kind of opens with this like little performance that I was kind of telling you about. And then mm-hmm. they go into Brian, Brian Wilson, and he's doing the interview in his bed with the, with the covers pulled all the way up to his neck, like tucked in, <laughs> tucked into bed. And he's not like ill and he, he doesn't seem drunk or high. He's just like laying in bed and he's got the covers like pulled up and they're interviewing him. I think it's like the early seventies at this point. Cause they kind of jump around sure. a lot, but he's kind of just talking about, you know, the music and all that stuff. And, and there's no mention of why or, you know, they they do talk a little bit in the beginning how he was kind of an introvert, you know, and, and he... Dude, Dave, what? Dave, next, okay, so, you know, we've talked about this a little bit. The world's starting to open back up again. Yeah. Vaccinations are happening. We're going to start doing this show in person. <laughs> yeah. my, I'm just going to say next episode, oh my God. let's do it tucked in. Oh, my God, We're going to be tuck, tucked in under the covers, I mean, no explanation. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it was, it's just funny because they're interviewing him and it's like the covers are just completely pulled up. So I thought that was, it was... It's not funny because he obviously had some some mental oh, he, issues. Yeah, he went through a lot of really horrible. He did. Shit, um, it's not sure. funny, but it's also very strange to see and and how they don't really explain it. You're kind of like, okay, that's uh, the best part. Yeah, and then you know there is that bare naked lady song, lying in bed, just like Brian Wilson did. You know, so I guess they must have got it from from that interview. Wow, I didn't. I would never have gotten that. Yeah, yeah, I had super no idea. super deep cut right there. Yeah. Um, anyways, pretty good movie. Uh, it's on Amazon Prime. Uh, lots of good gear spotting. And uh, what question yeah. did they have? A, like, so I know you mentioned the live performances. Does it, does it have officially licensed Beach Boys? Yes, music yes. It? It's a totally licensed documentary um, interviews with all the members, you know, all the brothers and the cousin and the friend um, interviews with, you know, um, fans. And, and yeah, it has all the all the real music. In fact, this might be a turnoff to some people. Um, and this kind of goes back to the era. I think that the movie was created, but they'll do like whole performances. You know, so sometimes in a doc, you just want to oh, see like a couple, wow. like a couple a little, clip. little clip or like maybe some of the song or like some solo. This was like they were doing whole songs, which was kind of nice for me because I like to zone out a little bit and like, you know, check my emails, maybe make a few notes about the doc. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, I had right. a few chances to kind of do that during these these kind of long winded, you know, uh, full song cuts. But they're all great to watch, man. They really were exceptional musicians. And uh, I will say one cool thing was, you know, going back to Pet Sounds, because I think our our audio nerds uh, who listen to this will appreciate that Brian actually he like quit touring like they were touring really, really hard in like 65. Mm -hmm. And he's like, he's like, you guys go on without me. So Glenn Campbell like filled in for them and jumped on their yep. tour and, and Brian goes home and he starts writing what became Pet Sounds. So that was actually pretty cool. He kind of wrote the whole thing by himself. Um, his idol was Phil Spector growing up and kind of, you know, it, before this era of the Beach Boys took off and all that. What's funny is he worked with Phil Spector at Gold Star Studios at the time. Didn't really enjoy working with him. I have a feeling they probably butted heads on a few ideas because they were both so couple, creative uh, alpha types. Couple alphas, exactly. Yeah, so he actually preferred working with his friend uh, Chuck Britz at Western Recorders, which was another studio that he recorded Pet Sounds at. So um, I don't know which songs were recorded where and how they did all that, but I thought it was pretty interesting uh, that he like Super got to work with his idol and then he's like, ah, oh, this actually isn't working out. So, um, Dude, really, really, this has been a really solid recommendation Dave yeah. Doc situation here. Yeah. I got to ask, uh, how many part harmonies do you give it? <laughs> I get, I give it a, I give it four out of five surfboards is my arbitrary rating. For All the right. Day. Oh, the one, the, the one last thing I will say is none of them knew how to surf. That's wrap your head around that's that. Perfect. One. I thought it's, just, yeah. it's like put a little bow on it with that. So. I bet that they even. I. I mean, I, I. I can just like picture them in a music video, yeah. like all standing on a surfboard. Yeah. So you know, obviously it was. Just, yeah, it was uh, all. It was all just like on stage, you know, for for show and, and stuff. So, uh, but ex- again, excellent band. You know, one of the greatest American bands of all time. So shout out to the Beach Boys. 
Uh, check out. <laughs> I know you're all listening, Beach Boys. Check out the Beach Boys uh, American <laughs> Band 1985 Amazon Prime. Beautiful. There nice job. All right. Well, that's been enough of us uh, being knuckleheads. Let's get to the good stuff here. And uh, by the good stuff, I mean uh, spend a little time talking to Soren. So uh, the, usually, the way we usually like to do that every week is through a segment we call a couple two-tree randos where we just ask you a handful of random questions uh, that you can give us some answers to. So first question, if you could swap places with any band member of any band, past or present, living or dead, doesn't matter what your talent is or theirs, who would that be and why? Lindsay Buckingham, Fleetwood Mac. Oh, all right. Yeah. Lindsay, uh, any particular reason? I mean, is, is that one of your, would you call that a, a personal guitar hero? Uh, the band is, you know, the, the uh, 74, 75 era and up with the Buckingham yeah. Knicks. Absolutely. Um, is is uh, one of my all-time favorites. Yeah, it is. Agreed. Oh, wow. Agreed. Boom. Love, love, love the, love the quick and concise answer. Let's keep it going. When you hear a song for the first time, what's the first thing that you listen to? Oh, that's a tough one, man. It's a tough one. Um, mm-hmm. Like most people, I think, you know, if, if there's a catchy phrase or something like that, a chorus or something and later on, uh, yeah. and later on, of course, it's more into the details, you know, and, and what I think is separates a song for a lasting long is if there's something details to be, you know, be found in it sure yeah so it can't it can't just be the one big hook you've got to there's got to be some layers that you can kind of peel back yeah you find yeah you find you know when you listen to it several times it's a good point oh, isn't that the most beautiful amazing thing i mean there are still there are still some things that i've listened to probably hundreds of times and and it's like mm. and sometimes it you know sometimes it is about the environment that you're listening to but there are still some songs that i hear things for the first time and it's just like wow that's you know you wonder if the if the people making it even it would have thought like if, if it was intentional or if it's like you're just latching onto it because you love it and, and want to latch onto it. Yeah. Very. And I, I, I agree with that, man. Yeah. I was just going to say, like, I think that's what keeps you coming back to a hook when there is, is those extra details. You've heard it 500 times and it still sounds fresh. You know, I love that. Yeah. I mean, we're just, we're rearranging the same 12 notes in Western music yeah. over and over again. So you've got to, <laughs> got to do something here. Uh, this is one day. This is a new question, Dave. I'm going to throw this one to you first okay. because it's a new one. So I'm curious, uh, what's a piece of gear you've owned that you're embarrassed to admit that you had? Uh, embarrassed to admit? I know. That's... All right, I'll I'll answer it because I thought I thought of this. Yeah. This is like it, this was a sort of situation where the answer pre pre existed before the question because I re- I forgot that at one point in my life, and you know I love Fender. We've had Fender yeah. on the show. It's I owned a Strat acoustic. Okay. Uh, at one time in my life, and I, I was like, man, that's embarrassing. Why did I Why did I even <laughs> have that thing? So so I was like, no, you know what? I want to hear what else what other people have had that they're embarrassed. Wow. Have you, you ever had something that you're just like, wow, that was um, that was pretty lame? You know what's really funny. I don't know if I was embarrassed because it was just part of my, my coming up as a musician and trying to, you know, we go through a lot of paths of trying to decide what we like. And, you know, sometimes you got to try stuff out to realize you don't like it. And, um, I had a, I had a, uh, a synth pedal made by Digitech and it was a green, it was like a green little bass, like synth pedal. Oh yeah, I, I, totally. I can't remember the name of it specifically, but it was something, it was like, not a micro synth because that's electroharmonics, but I was, it was like a. I wish I could. Re- it was like X synth. Yeah, it was like, like the bass. I wish X I could synth, remember what it was called. And it called. had this really like really digital sounding, um, like envelopey kind of you know uh, sound to it. But what yeah. what I think is funny that you asked me this question and I saw this the other day. Somebody was asking for like two hundred and fifty dollars for one of those on Reverb the other day. I think I yep, paid fifty bucks for it. it. So uh-huh. I, of course, you know, probably traded it or sold it at some point in my life. I wouldn't say I was embarrassed that I had it, but I definitely bought it and was like, this thing stinks. I'm, I'm, I'm getting rid of it. Well, so. and that's the sort of thing too, where I bet, cause you know, like anything, you could probably find like one cool sound in it, but yep. also it's like, it's what's probably more embarrassing is what you did with that than the actual <laughs> pedal itself. Like yeah. the, the sort of crimes against humanity you committed yeah, the, with that synth pedal. Oh, the baseline that I played through it was probably uh, something <laughs> I'll never want to play again. And thankfully it's a not lot recorded of, anywhere a lot of octave jumps and yep. uh you know slaps and pops slaps and probably pops, going baby. out of there yeah that's a great question all right soren you got anything uh, come to mind not really in that respect but i have something though now think of it and sg i think it's early seven seventy something i think it's sg special the mini humbuggers in a butt ugly Red <laughs> sunburst. Oh, uh, 
um, one. The tomato soup sunburst, oh, exactly. Man. Yeah. It is it is no it doesn't give you any respect. That guaranteed. I'm not embarrassed by it, but Right. But that's a yeah. No, I know exactly what you're saying. I I had a I had a, an early seventies Les Paul and it was just and Dave and I were actually talking about this recently, like with the mini hamburgers. It just the 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 bur- the sun the color on it was just the red yeah. oh god I I was it's I had to get rid of it I just did I never liked how it looked yeah it was a cool guitar we are we are big SG fans around here but I will say yeah. in the seventies they were doing some weird stuff with those guitars it it it's not pretty and it's like you know everything says okay it's piece of of wood plate now more than a guitar still have it okay still have it. Oh, that's cool. Well, you've got yeah. it. I still have uh, it. So yeah. this, ne- this next question comes actually from our previous guest, Ryan Joseph Anderson. By the way, if you haven't listened yet, uh, after this episode, immediately go back and check out yep. episode 108. It's a great one. Lots of good talks there. Uh, but what he wants to know is, and this is, this, is, this is an interesting question, what's your favorite chord? Oh, my favorite chord. It's like it's just like it, this absurdly impossible answer. Yeah, it is. It is I really, love the question. So many, but, uh, but I would say, not to pick one, but I've, uh, I think it's some sort of a minor or whatever, and if it's it's uh, something with a little, a little sadness or darkness. Yeah, to more it. sentimentality to it. Yeah, sure. I kind of like that, and that could be uh, yeah, an A minor, whatever. But it's, mm-hmm. um, or of course you could go with D minor, which is the yeah. saddest of all chords. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's something like that. I, I'm I'm really into that. you know. Yeah, the sensible things. Dave, I don't think I got to ask you this one yet. Well, Do you, you, have you know, I, and as a as a bass player, I, I know a few guitar chords. I will admit, um, <laughs> yeah, right. but uh, you know, I I like I I like a G major. To be honest, uh, it's it's kind of what I play when I um when, when I you first, pick up a guitar for when the first I first time, pick up a guitar, and yeah. I'm sure you've seen me do it with your guitars, you know, in person. Oh, yeah. So it's kind of one of the only like real chords I know. Otherwise, but can I say like just the power chord because I know my of way course, around a fretboard yeah. and. Uh, I've 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 written many a tunes with just a power chord, so maybe it's the power chord. You know what else? I'll, I'll say yeah, the power chord. It's it, although technically not actually a chord. It's a it's a it's an interval mm-hmm. uh, because it's a fifth. But uh, either way, like yeah, the power chord, man. That's I mean, I, it got look, me through that's, college. That's man. been the, that's been the key. <laughs> that's been the key to so many people feeling empowered enough on guitar to continue with it yeah. because like we all sucked when we started yep. but then it's like oh if i if i put my pinky right there and then i didn't then i can play like a nirvana song or something yeah. or black sabbath like okay yeah. this is fun all mm-hmm. of a sudden dude that's a, yeah i honestly i hadn't even thought of that one and i think that's a great answer it's the bass player answer isn't it though for sure it is the <laughs> totally the bass player answer <laughs> All right, Soren. So last one here, uh, and this is a question we want you to give us. So you don't get to know who it is, but next week we're going to have someone else on the show, and I would like you to ask a question to them, uh, th- just someone else in the music world, uh, whatever whatever you want to know. Okay. Um, how do you define a good tone? Ooh. I like that. That's a beautiful question. That's really good. Well, and, and, and which, of course, I mean, I have to ask you now that you gave us such a great <laughs> question. How, what do you, how do you, what do you think about when you're defining a beautiful tone? Uh, what, what we're aiming at, at least, is to have. Uh, it's it's so hard to explain though, but but it's you know it has to be like a three dimensional thing to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A lot of things is like two dimensions. It's flat. It sounds right, yes, but it's kind of two dimensional. Sure. If, if it's kind of three dimensional, this the the sound, the tone surrounds you. You're surrounded by it instead of distant by it. If you know what I mean. Oh, I think I think I do. Yeah. I think that's definitely something we're all trying to yeah. get. To. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, and it's and it's such a it it's interesting because I'm sure there's a lot of engineering and sort of mechanical thought that goes into creating something like that but at, in the end it is about a feeling it's about like you can't say that this pedal has like i'm going to turn on the 3d button on this pedal now or something no, like right. that it is more so about like the way the what you're doing with it yeah. and and yeah. the inherent quality to it so that's a, such a but it, honestly I, that's I, you know we've done over 100 of these and i don't think really anybody's brought that up yet so that's a that's a really interesting concept the the sort of layers or the flatness or depth of the tone yeah i was gonna say like just to build off that like because we all kind of have an idea in our mind of what like a flat tone sounds like you know like if something isn't quite if it's like thin or flat it's just not quite there so three-dimensional tone is really the that's a great way to put it i love that 
I'll say, look, if you're if you guys are looking for your next sort of design idea, just throw a 3D switch on the next pedal. There you pedal go. <laughs> I, think, I think you guys are gonna you're gonna sell a couple. Sell a hell of a lot of those, yeah. So, all right. So, our take us back. I know, um, you know, obviously, we've started talking about some of the Carl Martin stuff now, but let's go to your beginning. So, where did you um, where did you grow up? Where did you, where are you from originally? Oh, I'm from a little town in Denmark mm-hmm. um, called Grina. Grina. Okay. Um, it not in Danish though, but it's how we, we pronounce it internationally. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. So it's we are about I think it's sixteen thousand people. So it's really small. Which uh, which in you know I I have been lucky enough to to go to Denmark. So what what part of the country uh, is it in? The 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 um you have the mainland. Okay, the, yeah, sure. The mainland that is connected to northern Germany, basically. Got it. Mm. While while Copenhagen, which is the known bit of Denmark, is on the island. Right, exactly. On a big island, yeah. I uh not to make it too much about myself, I got to I I, I took a train over to Billund, uh, so I got I had to go sort of like across the whole country at one point to from Copenhagen. So I definitely got to see it. It's a beautiful place. Mm. Um so what's your what growing up i mean was it was it a musical household that you were in you know what what was the sort of start with music for you not really when i remember back to my childhood is that my dad tried to had some friends coming by and they did some banjoing and harmonica stuff and whatever Mm -hmm. you know and when i was really young i took (laughs) i took apart one of those uh, banjos and made that a snare drum Huh. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, most of the parts are there. Yeah, right? I was going to say. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, so that's how I started out. And then, you know, I have a uh, a lamp holder uh, and put on a, uh, what's it called? A, uh, not a hi-hat, but something like that, you know. And and uh-huh. and, and, and uh, I remember the first guitar player. We, <laughs> we have to stop every time we have to take a new chord. <laughs> so that that we all he, he, i wonder if he had any favorite chords it was just the whichever one he could do first. <laughs> yeah. yeah i think uh, so yeah so so then so so you i guess that means you st- you sort of started on drums then right yeah i did some drums back then and then i was out of music for quite some time mm-hmm. and uh began to play guitar at Age 15, 16 again, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's the right time to do it. I would be prefer to be a little bit younger, though. But um, sure. <laughs> but yeah, then I started to play guitar. But then, you know, I was doing some DJ stuff and stuff like that uh, back in the day and, and found out it would more, be more interesting to, to, to play the music yourself. Mm-hmm. And then, and then we start, I started yeah. a band and stuff like that and, and ended up actually playing the bass. Cool. Oh, a good company with Dave here. Yeah. Uh, what? So, what kind of? I mean, musically, like when you started bands and started doing that kind of stuff, what kind of what kind of bands were you drawing your inspiration and influence from? Like, were there any that were sort of like your favorites at that time? Um, the bands that were favorite here with me and my friends was was. Remember that was in seventy five ish. So that was Deep Purple, Led Zeppelin, Black Sabbath. Um, mm. That kind of thing, and also uh, a little bit later on, on in that period, also Thin Lizzy very much. Yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Naming naming some of both of our favorite bands yep. over here for sure. Agreed. Uh, so, I mean, you know, what was your progression? Like, was music something that was central to your life? Did you go to university? What what what, how, so what were sort of the next steps? No, no, I was uh, no, no, I still taught. Um, I never uh, learned music, so it was mm-hmm. um, listening and learning. Basically, right? Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, and that was yeah. But music has been a really big part of my life, especially in those days. It was like sleeping, thinking, eating music, basically. Yeah, yeah. Good. Well, you're 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 among among friends in that way. So yeah, I, can I guess you know what's your what's your what's your kind of history in the music industry? Then I mean, obviously, you know, you're you're you found yourself with Esound Research, which is you know obviously Carl Martin, all that sort mm-hmm. of stuff. Like, how did what's your progression there in the sort of effects and, and gear world? Uh, it's um, we had this band. We started up. We had our own PA system, mm-hmm. which we eventually begin to rent out. For, sm- for smaller local events and stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool! Yeah, yeah. 
and in and the part of that is I wanted to make something that was more plug and play. So we started out to build in uh, making um, amplifiers, PA amplifier system. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and when you say we, is, are you are you? Me, was me, this sort it was of your idea, Carl- or, or do you have an engineering background? Or uh, no, like not that? me. No, no. That was my friend Carl Martin, actually. There you go. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so Carl Martin and I started that out, and we started mm-hmm. building um, uh, PA systems, and and um, to rent out basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so we were very much into speaker systems, stuff like that, um, and we did a uh, hi-fi system. Uh, we did uh, some other stuff. Um, but what led us to where we are today is that we also bought in a recording studio, mm, okay. which I have a lift over now, you know, the, the, the two-inch machine, 24-track. Uh, right, which that. you were sort of talking about before we started recording. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that we still have. Um, we bought that in, and uh, this is actually a really interesting story. At that time, we were doing some recordings, and and the the producer then was uh, working a lot in Germany with heavy metal bands. And what year about uh, is this? Uh, it would be like in the eighties, okay, mid cool. late eighties. And he was up in our studio, we you know, and found out that we did some noodle around this with electronics. And he said, "Could you make us a? Uh, could we build a sound reduction system for two inch machines?" Hmm. Because in Germany, and now comes the, the fun bit, there was a system that was so expensive called Behringer. <laughs> <laughs> I heard of them. Yeah, wow. And that was too expensive. How the Very times cool. have changed. Times have changed, yeah. So were you able to make the device? Yeah, we, we started out doing that, and that was mm-hmm. our very first encounter with TC Electronics, by the way. Ah, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, shout yeah. out. We, we, uh, we've had Tor on the show mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, I know him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But that was before tour. <laughs> yeah, uh, sure, of course. Yeah. 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 Um, so we did that stuff with, you know, and that was basically studio equipment we built. So we bit, made mm-hmm. uh, speakers, monitors, amplifiers, and that sound reduction system for, for, for two inch machines. Mm-hmm. The pedals was uh, come, on, come on later. We started to building bass amps. Also, you know, a friend of mine came to a workshop and said, if you can build him a base, and that should be called Carl Martin. And that was the start of it. Oh, wow. Wow. Which, I had no which, idea. Which we have a laugh of, basically, because, you know, yeah. the engineer name was Carl Martin. And, yeah. And, uh, and so we did that. We did a base amp. And that was actually a two-channel base amp with a mid-sweep. So we have a full parametric with Q, bandwidth, and, 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 and uh, all that. Times two Dang, on it, w- so it was. I want to try that. It yeah. was kind of pre SWR stuff and all that. So uh-huh, okay. sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so and then so you're making these bass amps, and at the, I mean, at this point, are you selling outside of Denmark, or is no, this no, mostly no, no, a local no, sort no. of stuff happening here? No, that was just in Denmark. You know, we 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 sold, we found some shops to sell through uh, the bass amps, mm-hmm. and and did ourselves, and also the uh, the speaker caps. At that time, did you did you realize like was the did you know like was it a was it a full time thing? Like, did you know that this is was what you're going to be doing? No, not point? really. No, we our, the, the the business was uh, established at that time, but that was basically okay. you know the studio, the rental, and also we did a lot of you know. Uh, yeah. Back in that day, it was all the local radio stations was pretty new in Denmark at that time, and they popped up. So we sold a lot of equipment for local radio stations and, and things like that. Cool, interesting. As a retailer or installer, basically. Sure. Yeah. Um, and and someday, uh, Carl Martin came with a pedal that later became the Hot Drive Boost. Right. Which now I think there's three three versions you can get to that pedal. Yeah, that was made three versions. Yeah, just one available now. Uh, oh, it's just one now. Which one? Yeah. Is, so there's we can might as well dig into it a little bit. So the Hot Drive and Boost. There's the original, the Mark II, Mark III. Which one is the one that you can get now? Mark III. Mark III. Okay. What's the do? You, what's the sort of uh, like top line differences with those, the voicing basically the one the uh, you can say the the original Mark uh, Mark One was more like British voiced and then Mark Two was uh, LA voiced, mm-hmm. and the Mark Three is 
on its own, it's more like a tube character to it, much more okay. tube character to it, yeah. Perhaps a, a three-dimensional character, one might say. <laughs> one might uh, say, yeah. <laughs> uh, but so from a, I guess from an effect topology standpoint, like was Carl this with this pedal, was it a completely original design? Was he trying to get close to something that he had already enjoyed? Like what were, no, it, no, it the, was original. No, it was original design from him and it did work out uh, to begin with. We had played around with it, you know, and sure. uh, used a lot of uh, guitar players, studio engineers, you know, to, to uh, beta test and stuff like that and, and recreate and rebuild and, a lot of that, and and uh, and and in that time also we did it. Normally, you know, as you know, all pedals is battery driven nine volt pedals. Sure. And and we made our with the built-in mains power supply plus right, minus right. Yeah, negative positive supply, which enabled us to create the circuit a little bit different with more headroom, more dimensional, mm -hmm. three dimensional feeling to it. There uh, it is. Yeah. And that is the hot the, the buzzword for of the day for us right there. <laughs> yeah, and that's been the the Carmartin DNA throughout all the years, you know, and and also some of what we found is what we did with these uh, noise reduction systems, how to to use certain chips and stuff like that, you know, and 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 uh, how to build it. And, and uh, I find that that part of it terribly fascinating. That's something I know almost nothing about because I just you don't really hear people talking about that especially in the effects world i mean because you know back in the day you had all these like dolby units with the noise reduction mm -hmm. they're doing all these different types of things and nobody's really doing anything with that anymore i think there's there's certainly something to be mm -hmm. to, to be said for that so i guess in terms of then you know transition you know obviously you're built you, you're talking about iterating this pedal and and this was like this sort of new thing how did that then take the next step to becoming what you know i think we all sort of know as Carl Martin, the, the the pedal company today. Um, again, you know, a lot of I guarantee you can say the same for yourself. A lot of coincidence. Sure. Mm -hmm. A lot of coincidences happening. You know, we we were young and and didn't make any money. It was just fun, basically. But we tried to make a living out of it. Yeah. Um, and that was actually, honestly, the most fun period of our time time span over 30 years. That was the years we didn't make any money. We just played around with loads of different ideas and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, it was like a big play a playground. But what led us to be, you know, Carl Martin, the uh, pedal manufacturer, was, you know, we made this one. And and again, pure coincidence, we, we had a, um, a Volkswagen bus. Mm -hmm. We lent one of those and we were packed 10 people or whatever you could <laughs> get into it and wrote sure. to uh, and and took a trip to um, to uh, Frankfurt. Oh, okay. Yeah. So music messa. Music messa, and mm. we had we brought a guy, uh, Carl Martin. You, I have to say that Carl Martin was um, extraordinary um, uh, clever. He had a really good brain, um, and his friend there was the same sort. And he was a German living in here. We bought him, and I found a German distributor at that trip. But the fun bit is that German guy went into the press lounge, and that led to a four-page article in a German magazine called Fuckblatt. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> because that German dude, you know, I didn't really knew at that point. We, we just took him along. As one of Carl Martin's <laughs> friends, <laughs> uh, that's amazing. Yeah, and needless to say, he's now a journalist. By the way, uh, really? Yeah, uh, but that starting it, strong. Yeah, so he, you know, he he met those guys and and the fuck that make this article, and the um, distributor we have in Japan, still to that to today, wrote us an email. And they have seen the article and want to distribute Carl Martin in Japan. So basically, Germany wow. was our first market, second yeah. Japan. Wow. Um, doing, doing, doing really, really strong business there. I mean, at that point, it must have just, it must have just been all right. Well, this is, we've got to get a factory going now because we've got some, some big time customers. Yeah, exactly. So, so that's how it all started out, you know. And then, I mean, you know, I feel like there are so many players, and and you have this deep artist roster. When you when you think about like 
artist out, our outreach throughout the years like mm. what is how, how do you how do you how do you approach that or is it is it sp- strictly okay we know that this is someone that we all respect and want to work with or is it i mean how much of it is also like hey we think this is a person that would just like fit the brand and, and would be someone that we'd want to have uh, that we can sort of uh advertise uh, it might sound arrogant but we never really did uh, okay sure uh, don't take me wrong it's not to be arrogant but no people normally come to us uh, mm-hmm. that being said we had a guy in LA working as an artist relation agent for, for, for some years and that okay. and that led to people like Tim Pierce um, mm-hmm. oh great god if you're yeah. not watching Tim Pierce's YouTube channel already you have to he's just putting some of the coolest content in the world out there yeah he's good yeah I want to talk a bit, I think, you know, uh, speaking of the sort of classic brand, I think one of the things I've always thought about when I think about it is that sort of classic look with the the black and the purple. But then, you know, looking <laughs> looking at the petals, there's also these few different types of enclosures and mm-hmm. and, and, and styles. So I'm, I'm curious, you know, I would love to hear your sort of uh, view on that. Like what's what's the sort of rationale for not doing everything in that sort of classic look or what do you, how do you guys approach that? Uh, we were very stubborn for many, many years. Yeah, <laughs> I wanted to black, purple, and white. That's yeah, it. It sure did. Uh, and we got a lot of beating on, on that. Uh, really? Yeah, people. You know, you have to have colors. You have to. Buy, you look so dated, especially late, especially later on. Remember uh-huh. when we started out with the petals? Um, one of pretty fast, we begin to work with TC Electronics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they had the called Flanger at that time as, as the only pedal. And that had a purple uh, That's right, square. it did, yeah. It, on the, uh, I think, left uh, side down. So we created the purple triangle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and also I mean, one left side. Because, yeah, because T's Electronics sold Karl Marx in the United States. Oh, so, I didn't realize that, okay. Yeah, yeah, so we have to have, you know, uh, some... Branding. Similarity to yeah. a branding similarity to it, and also the packaging stuff, for instance, which we use to today most of it is was created by uh, uh, designers at TC Electronics. Wow, okay, yeah, but so, then so in terms of the designs that sort of stray away from that, what is is that really just a matter of re- responding to the market people saying that? Yeah, it is, color? it is. We, we, um, originally we had. Our basic idea was, to, okay, we will maintain what we call the pro shares, which is the boutique handmade stuff here in Denmark. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we started out with the what we call the vintage shares. And that was, um, I don't know if you remember the cake form petals, you know, pretty big with the, with the chicken heads on. Oh, yeah, 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 sure, definitely. Yeah, the red yeah, repeat. Those were, they were pretty big repeat, petals, yeah. Yeah, red repeat, uh, surf trim. Uh, DC drive and and so forth, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and these were made in China, and we we okay. and so we would like to have you know two distinctive series, one made in China, and the pro shares okay. totally yeah to- totally separated, which we still have. Um, the thing is, you know, when as you know, both know, when time moves on, even that classic look of the uh, winter series, even though. It was very successful, especially the red repeat was really successful. They became too big. Yep. Yeah, they were too big. Suddenly they were too big. So we had to make, you know, a normal uni- square box like you see in whatever pedals. Right. The Hammond. Yeah, the yeah Hammond, a normal Hammond enclosure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, and that, so I think of the, like the Plexi Ranger now, right? That's in just like a standard Hammond enclosure. It is. It is, yeah. Tell us a tell us a bit more about that pedal. I know that that's something that's a bit on the newer, hotter side for you guys, and I actually haven't had the chance to play one yet. So what's what's going on with that Plexi Ranger? Yeah, the Plexi Ranger. Um, I think, if I remember correctly, Pete Thorne at some point made a video about how underestimated he thought that uh, treble boosters was nowadays. Oh yes, mm. right. Yeah, if that had created some kind of buzz, I'm not sure it might have. In any event, um, a YouTuber, Brett Kingman, in Australia, a, mm-hmm. good, a, a good friend of us, uh, we had a talk. Um, 
And he said, Søren, why don't you make a good travel booster, but with some variables, you know, so you can tweak it a little bit and stuff like that. Yeah, right. Uh, we, it, they, that's funny. They usually are just like one, maybe two knobs when yeah, you think about yeah, it. It is, yeah. Um, so we did that, but and we kind of talked back and forth about it, and I was kind of thinking, so, okay, I said to Brett, you know, the conditions to have a travel booster is really not present nowadays, isn't it? Because nobody plays big master stacks and loads of them. Right. With mm-hmm. a loud backstage. And you know, with and the idea with the treble booster was to cut up all the rumble and dumble, you know, you have in the in the low end exactly. of 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 four by twelve at eleven, basically, right? right? <laughs> um so and that was the, the, the idea of of the treble booster, but that is not happening nowadays. And Brett said, Hey, but you have the plexitone. Could it be fun to 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 mm, right, build those sure. together, and that became the Plexi Ranger. Wow, yeah. it's a it's a great idea, and I mean, and and I think actually, I'm pretty sure I saw Pete Thorne do a demo of that one as well. Mm. That just like sounded fantastic. So very excited about that one. And the other thing, I mean, another, I think a lot of people might know. If they haven't used it's it's interesting too because you know if they haven't used Carl Martin pedals for mm-hmm. tone shaping a lot of people probably have used your Octa Switch series which I know that that's been been very popular for you guys you've mm-hmm. got the Mark III now and the Strip so mm-hmm. uh, I would love for you to take me through a little bit of history of where that even came from to begin with mm-hmm. and then kind of how we got to the new the current version uh, it became we we started out making some a, a, a pedal or switcher called Combinator. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure, right. We made the combinator that was more programmable than the Oxus switch was. You know, you have mm-hmm. programming like you have on a strip now, basically. Um, it was bigger and it was more expensive. But we could see on the web stats from a website that a lot of people was looking at the combinator, not that many bought it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so, so it was a hard sell. So we were kind of thinking, okay, there might be a market there, apparently, but it's too expensive. Mm-hmm. So that led to the uh, Combinator. Oh, sorry, the OctaSwitch. To the OctaSwitch. Yeah, which, so for, if anybody doesn't know, it's it's hardwired, so you, there's d- little dip switches on there, mm-hmm. and that sort of determines which pedals you're using. It's not um, you know, using some sort of like digital system or something yeah, like that. Exactly. It's, it's, it's hardwired. Um, which which are great and and I think you know I, now that we've sort of had the the previous conversation about the size I, I suspect that that's going to have something to do with it because they are pretty large unit well mm. the, historically the the original was a pretty large unit mm. and then I, now down to like something like the Mark III it's a lot more sort of I guess you could say pedal board friendly mm. right like yeah, there's more yeah. space to put it on your board yeah and even the strip now is more I would say more convenient or more suitable for boards you know it's it's yeah, because instead of being that sort of like larger rectangle shape, it's like a longer, skinnier thing that can sit sort of down at the bottom right, of your board. Right. It sits. It's like yeah. It's it's for instance, if if you have a pedal train in over twenty four, it sits perfect yeah. on a fifth rail. Okay. Oh, you, I just so happened to be using a pedal train Novo twenty four. So now that I know that, I might have to I might have to think about making the switch to that to that changer because I I have used a number of different types of pedal loop switchers that sorts of th- sort of thing throughout the years and it it is a concept that I do very much believe in. Mm-hmm. I think it may it does make a huge audible difference to me. Not even just like the convenience. I I do think that they are more convenient. But I mm-hmm. when you get a bunch of pedals stacked together, there's just going to be some impedance mismatching, some loading that happens. This that uh, having a, a pedal switcher mm. sorts that out, and this this is not a, a commercial for for you. I mean, it sort of is, but also like I den- I generally do believe that switchers are the best way to go for pedal boards these days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And the the, the reason we, we we did the uh, combinator is you know of the very same reason as you say, and we all know, especially be pre pre um, uh, true bypass. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had you had some issues with. With pedals in in a chain, oh yeah, not not all buffers are created equal. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and it was you know you have as as you said a lot of mismatch and a lot of tone sucking. And mm-hmm. An answer to that was what Mike Fuller came up with, you know, true bypass um, and things like that. But ideally, you know, you would also have some. It could be an old color sound piece or whatever you would use in a bridge in one song. And therefore, would not have in a signal chain all the time. Exactly right. right. Yeah, uh, but you would use that color sound pedal or whatever it is, you know, for that bridge, and you need it for that bridge. Um, 
so that was basically the idea to have with the combinator and, and later on the with the the Yorkshire suites and and now you know so many makes them but i would argue that you still do it uh, as good or better than anybody else yeah, so there's that um one other thing i don't know much about that i would love to because i've never actually been able to try it but i was as i was kind of looking through the website a little bit i came across a lot of things well first of all you guys make a power supply now which is cool mm. is that is that another sort of thing where it's people were asking for it so you decided to make it um basically yeah it, it kind of started out with years ago with port shocks you know shocks power supplies Oh, that's what I use actually. Yeah. Okay, uh, and back in the day, and he came. He's from Denmark, uh, right? And we started out to make his big John as a Karl Martin product. Oh, okay. That's how it started out. Uh, so it was Chuck who made them for us. Basically, we just sold them as as OEM. Wow, okay, yeah, cool. that's cool. Yeah, um, and later on, we came out with the. Uh, with the Pro Power and 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 mm-hmm. uh, later the Pro Power Two and, and now with the DC Factory, which is all digital, switch mode. Okay, that's beautiful. Yeah. And you also, I noticed, um, and this sort of is interesting because it kind of goes back to one of the things we were originally talking about that I didn't know is I and I also didn't realize that you still to this day make a number of different amplifiers. Yeah. yeah. Um. So what is are are those sort of Similar? Are, are there any similarities in design? I guess to like some of the original stuff Carl came up with back in the day, or are these brand new uh, effects, or maybe, maybe sort of like pedal platform amps. And uh, it's more like yeah, it's it's uh, Carl Marsden has not been part of a company for. He's actually passed away a few years, a few years right. back. But he was only part with the first five pedals. Okay. Okay. And then we parted ways back as many mm-hmm. years ago. Uh, so, so the the amps is is none of these things. It, it's completely brand new stuff. Yeah, no, not new because it's it's like ten ten years ago we started with the first mm-hmm. one. I think the idea with the uh, only started with the custom shop fifty is we want to have a pedal platform. You can yeah. say just like good set of monitors, you know, studio monitors. You need the outboard, which is the pedals, and you have the monitors or the amp to to serve those pedals the best possible way. Whoa, that's a really cool way of putting it. I've never heard yeah. somebody kind of create the analogy that way, but it makes it, it really does. It, it 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 stands up. It makes sense. Yeah, the, the pedals are the outboard. Wow. Um, pedals are the outboard. The amp is your kind of your money system. And that has to be non-coloring or have a basic tone to it. Honest, yeah. Yeah, and and so a tube screamer sound like a tube screamer and, and, and so forth. Right. Makes a lot of sense. So, all right. So we're, you know, we obviously, I think we've covered quite a bit of stuff, uh, mm-hmm. you know, historically and everything. So what's in terms of kind of next priorities, next things that you can even talk about with, with Carl Martin, what's, what's sort of on the, on the horizon for you, uh, at, with the company, anything that, um, that you're sort of looking to for the future with the company? Yeah, honestly, we, uh, you know, even though I like the AMS and I do believe it comes back at some point, I still hope because it's, it's one thing is to have play earplugs, another thing, have to have your amp, you know, in your butt, so to speak. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> flat, flap in your pants leg. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Uh, but I do buy into still that, you know, trapping light and stuff. So what we're working on now is a project we call Amster. And the Amster is a, uh, a tube-driven guitar DI amp speaker sim. Ooh. Cool. Uh, with... All analog. There's no uh, digital in it whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, and the idea here is again not to not to uh, compete or anything with what you know uh, the helix and all that, but sure. But to have an an option for guys who want to use the pedals and are not interested in programming and menus oh, yeah. and, and so forth. Sure. And and just have a um, and a, a good solid tube sounding and feeling uh alternative. So is is it the sort of um footprint that would uh, do you imagine it living on a pedal board? Yeah, yeah, it should yeah, we have it here. We have a prototype made already. We we're just finishing up now the last bits and details before running. Oh, that's super exciting. Yeah, so we have. Uh, When when do you have do you have any sort of uh, timing around? Uh, No, I think it's still in six to eight months. You know, it's it's uh, sure. Yeah, 
about maybe these, like Nam Nam next year. Yeah, or something, something like that. that. Yeah. Wow. Well, you heard it here first, folks. That's a uh, that's a Carl Martin scoop that you looking forward to get that. on any of the other any other podcasts. One of the last things I want to ask you about, and it's something that you sort of touched on a little bit, um, and I would like to get your perspective. And it's something that we talked a little bit about with Tor as well. But I mean, to your point earlier, like okay, so you mentioned chocks. There's mm-hmm. Carl Martin. We've talked about TC Electronic. There's T Rex. You know, I feel like there's this very rich sort of pedal effects. Uh, industry and and maybe community in in denmark can you speak to that a little bit do you have you thought about like what has sort of driven these because i mean there are a lot of pedal companies from a lot of places across the globe and 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 to have a number of very highly respected coming from a relatively small country like denmark i mean it's 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 pretty impressive and and interesting so i'm curious Mm -hmm. from your perspective what do you have any can you think of any reason that might have driven that no, not really, to be honest. Uh, not really. Yeah. Some of it has to do with TC Electronics, of course. Carl mm. uh, Martin, as, as you, we touched base on already, is pure coincidence. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it is, honestly, yeah, <laughs> because uh, it could have gone either way. Um, so I don't know why. I mean, you see so many pop rock nowadays, you know, it's, it's uh, they are. Literally thousands of Proco rats and tube screamers, aren't there? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, in different colors and shapes. Um, why people do it? I don't know. I mean, it's it's uh, it's well, you can't. I guess you can't patent a circuit, right? So it's there's a low barrier to entry for a lot of people if they just want to yeah, make a tube screamer. It is. It is. Yeah. Everybody can do that in the basement, basically, right? It's. It's. Yeah, so I've it's, done it. You know. Yeah. So it's it's not that hard to do, to be honest, and and you. And especially nowadays with the internet and stuff, you know, you can just pick and pick and choose, basically, you know, in circles right. and stuff like right. that. Um, but it does, it does still take. I mean, everybody can make a tube screamer circuit, but to your point, there's there is a, a there is a difference between a flat sound and a three dimensional sound. There's a difference between yeah. someone who who's tweaked a circuit with their mm-hmm. years and years of experience versus just you know uh, stuffing ca- capacitors in a circuit board or right. whatever. So there's, there's, I think I think once you get to a certain level of playing, the nuance comes out. Maybe as a beginner, you couldn't tell the difference. I think. You're, yeah, yeah, you're right. And and the thing is, you know, for us, for instance, you know, people often ask me, what pedals do you have? What pedals is your reference? We don't have any pedals here, honestly. We only have Carl Martin oh, pedals. Oh, okay, wow, sure. That's interesting. Yeah, we don't have pedals. We don't listen to other pedals. Mm-hmm. Um, we do what we think is good. And hopefully, sometimes... Some people does too, and and, yeah. and 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 that's basically it. And and we really do put a lot of effort in to honor the DNA back from Carl Martin, you know, from from the late Carl Martin, you know, with the of course the way things sound, the three dimensional, you know, uh, especially that the sound have to leave the speaker cap, not sit in the speaker yep. cap, things like that, you know, right. it's 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 uh, and that is not often easy to do. But no, it takes it takes often years of blood, yeah. sweat, and tears to yeah. make something like that happen. So I think you know not not to ask you too hard of a question. But the last thing I want to ask you here is if if you know for some reason you're desert island and you're like you're only allowed to make a pedal board with with three Carl Martin pedals that you have to just just live with for the rest of your life. What what pedals are you going to pick from the line? Uh, the cup limiter. Okay, tell tell us a little bit why you chose that one. Uh, because it's a good compressor, basically, and I I'm I'm one of the first that really believe it in compress compressors. Our complimenter is old, as you know, it's like twenty five years old, mm-hmm. basically. Right. And at some point, it became an industry standard. Uh, it's a classic pedal, yeah. Yeah, the classic pedal, yeah. Um, I think that's a good one, to be honest. And I will leave it on all the time. I don't want to use it, you know, with hard settings or anything. I will use it like a subtle setting. Just yeah. a little squeeze. Yeah, to yeah. Like chop off some some clipping or something like that. Exactly that. that. And and enhance, you know, the uh, the under, you know, the over notes. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and the great, feeling. Great start. This. Love it. Yeah, Dave, we've got to get you a complimenter. I'm just saying. Yep. No, I'm already writing all of these down, so. Um, <laughs> that's the one. And then uh, the, with the overdrives, I don't know. I mean, it's. My personal favorite would be the Hot Dime Boost Mark III, but uh-huh. the Plexitone also. Right now, I'm pretty, I'm pretty crazy about the Plexi Ranger, to be honest. Well, it's hard not to. It's the, it's the fun, new, exciting pedal, yeah. and it's in the the Hammond friendly uh, pedal board friendly box. Yeah. 
All right, so that's just, so we've got the complimenter, plexi ranger, great yeah. rig. What's, then, how are we going to finish? Yeah, and then we'll, I will have a. Um, it will be the uh, Ecotone. Ooh. Why did you choose uh, that specific delay? Uh, that one or the Delayla XL? Uh, because it sounds good, basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. And it's honestly, you have two presets. You have a manual setting you can use for the, your your 180 millisecond slapback. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. And then you have your tap timber you can do while using the, the slap bag, and then you switch over when you have oh, your tap timber for yeah, I love yeah. that. Uh, and it's a good analog sound. It doesn't, it's not, it's, uh, yeah, it simply sits well in the mix. It blends beautifully. I'll tell you what, I mean, that, 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 that rig that you put together, those three pedals, I think most people listening, myself included, could, uh, could get away with pretty much just using that yeah. for 90% of the things mm. that you do. I would say so, yeah. I would say so. Definitely. Beautiful, beautiful yeah. setup. Yeah. Soren, thank you so much for, join, thank for you joining so much. us and, <clears throat> and, and jumping on. It's been it's been really fun talking with you. So uh, anybody you know listening who I think everybody already knows, but if they don't already, um, where would you tell them to go check out uh, Carl Martin stuff on the internet? Oh, that's a tough one right now, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I would say Machine's friend off the top of my head. Uh-huh. Uh, in Europe, if anybody listening in Europe, it would be Toman. Toman, sure. All right. Well, Soren, thank you so much for joining us. It's, honestly, it's been it's been a pleasure. And uh, you're welcome. You know, Dave, lo- Dave, love you, buddy. Yeah, and you if you're still listening, you made it this far. Well, go ahead and why don't you go make some music. <laughs>